Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Casanari-King. Today, I'm delighted to have Melanie Levitt from Jackson, New Hampshire. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and we're here at the Series Gallery where you're now uh, an artist. Yes. And you drove a long way to get here. Tell us about your morning commute. Well, I, it's about an hour and 45 minutes and yeah. not too bad. We have to drive far up north to get anywhere, so <laughs> it's not too bad. Nice. Enjoy it. So um, this is going to be a great interview because you're not just an artist. You are also a gallery owner, which yes. is yep. quite an interesting story. So go ahead and give us quickly your background, where you grew up and yeah, your um, early years of Sure. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, um, Trumbull, Connecticut, and I always took art classes as a kid. Every yeah. Saturday oh. I painted. And um, so I've always... I've always so been interested. Did in you art. go to a, a studio or gallery? I studio? did. Oh. Yeah, I went to. He was actually an art teacher, and he rented space and had easels, and he would wow. we would just go and paint from photos. So nice. I started painting from a young age, and actually even got did some shows in my town. And, and were those acrylics or watercolor? Yeah, they were acrylic, okay. and I think watercolor too. Yeah, yeah mostly acrylic. And but then, I always um I always did art from a very young wow. age. Wow, and yeah. you had some shows and I did. I did some. I did a show in our town. I remember I had my work exhibited. I was like maybe like ten or twelve. So oh. it was my first my first show. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, so then after you went to um, Rhode School Island School of Design. Design, yep. So I you know continued um, always having art in my life and um, always knew I wanted to be an artist. But yeah. my father had recommended you know graphic design yeah. might be a good career right. move <laughs> and. Um, so I did a pre-college program at Rhode Island School of Design and oh. um, 
took graphic design there and that gave me a taste of it okay and a taste for kind of what art school was going to be and after that that was my first choice um mm -hmm. to go there i applied other places but um ended up going to RISD as they call it mm -hmm. and studying graphic design nice yeah so lovely never painted there but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah interesting isn't it i know yeah um and then um you did work for the creative team for the 1996 Olympics. Yes. In Atlanta. Yes. So uh, when I graduated from RISD, I, um, I first got a job in Boston architecture firm um, and went on to uh, work for uh, some other design firms after that. And one of them was a small firm um, in Boston that um, was part of the creative team for the Olympics in Atlanta. Wow. Um, and I had just come back from a year in Japan and oh, um, that preceded preceded. Okay. Yeah. So um, I got this job at the small design firm as part of the team. So it was really cool. I got to travel to Atlanta yeah. and work on banner designs. Cool. So that was that's interesting. That was great. Okay, yeah. back up. We want to hear yes. about Asia. <laughs> yeah. So um, I worked for this Japanese architecture firm in Boston right from graduating from RISD. Okay. And um, I was there about a year and I always kind of had an interest in in Asia and traveling. And um, I ended up applying for a teaching position. Um, it was kind of like an intern position in Japan at an international school. And I, um, oh. I got it. Um, and it, I went over for a year and helped the art teacher there teaching art to kids and living in Yokohama Nice. and got to travel all throughout Asia, yeah. uh, Japan and Thailand. And right. uh, Hong, I went to Hong Kong. Um, I went to Korea. Uh, so it was, a, it was an amazing year. Now, how, um, what was the language barrier like, or do they primarily also yeah, so, speak some English? Well, it was an international school, so the school was actually okay. English speaking, but I, I did take Japanese while I was there. Wow. So I, I, it was, it's a very hard language to <laughs> learn, so I didn't get so far, but I could get around okay. um, and ask basic questions. Wow. <laughs> and it's a very safe, a welcoming country, yeah. and I always felt very at home there. And just loved it and almost didn't want to leave. Wow. So, but I did, I did come back, but yeah. I have been back since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. so that influenced your art. It did. It really did. Okay. Everything, uh, everything in Japan is beautiful, how they package mm. food. And I mean, even buying, you know, basic, um, sushi in the train station, it's wrapped in paper, you know, paper, yeah. the packaging. And, um, I just, I went to museums. I got intrigued by, um, Japanese uh, sumie brushstroke painting and I ended oh. up um, studying with a master there every week I started once a week and then I went to like three times a week as towards the end wow. and got really immersed in the um, Japanese brushstroke painting and sumie and loved the papers in Japan mm. and it just it had a big influence on yeah. um, my work and um, and my life so right yeah. so um, when you came back what mediums were you working in at that time? So when I came back from Japan, I was still working in the graphic design industry. I really wasn't doing too much work, but I started to work with Japanese papers. And I remember mm -hmm. I got a commission to do this uh, wall hanging at, made out of all different Japanese papers because I brought back a lot of paper. Okay. Um, and But I was mostly doing graphic design at that point and just doing a little bit of my own stuff. But yeah. An interesting story was when I got back from Japan, I need to find a job. I was back in Boston, um, moved in with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Yeah. And um, I 
was really into, you know, the Japanese culture. And um, I had taught the little teeny preschool kids how to make Japanese origami cranes. You know, they started at a very young age and we would do a lot of origami. And so when I came back, I figured out how to print my name and phone number uh, on the origami paper and fold it in just a way for the crane when you open the wings my name and phone number were there and I, wow. I, I put it flat on the top of my um, my letters trying to get a job to, okay. to different companies. And that's how I got hired for the uh, job for the Olympics. So wow. it kind of brought a little bit of that back. And then I was full on in graphic design for, yeah. um, for about, I think I, I worked at Houghton Mifflin after I was done with the job on the Olympics and that job ended. I worked um, at Houghton Mifflin on book designs, um, mm-hmm. photo shoots and layouts for a new design for um, children's reading programs. It was working on a big team of uh, team of designers and that was really fun. Nice. And then um, I was with my boyfriend at the time and we used to go to New Hampshire mm-hmm. up north every weekend because he was a rock climber and ice climber so he would pick me up from work yeah (laughs) I didn't ever get into it but he picked me up from work he had a rental up there uh, an expensive rental so he picked me up we'd go for the weekend to New Hampshire and then we'd come back and work our you know week and I was working like sometimes up to 90 hours a week at the time Um, and finally uh, we just were kind of sick of all that and said let's move to New Hampshire Uh, and we we picked Jackson and it was kind of a real quick decision. It was before. Nice. Yeah. So, so you, you jumped before there was a job. I did. I jumped and I started my graphic, my graphic design business uh, freelance up and I did travel. So when we did move there, I did travel to Boston three days a week and keep my job for a year at Houghton okay. Mifflin. Yeah. So I was back and forth. So okay. we kind of eased into it a little, yeah. but we just uh, decided we both wanted to get out of the city and, yeah. you know, and we really loved uh, being in the mountains and we, weren't married yet, but we said, you know what, let's just do this. And we got engaged about a year later mm-hmm. and uh, raised our kids. And nice. here we are. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was reading a bit on your website about how you started your gallery. <clears throat> yes. Um, and you were starting classes called Mommy and Me. Yeah. So paint. when I had small children, I have two girls um, that are now 21 and 18. <laughs> One yeah. is in art school. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to expose them to art and there wasn't really much going Uh on. And I also, um, I needed a business. I, I wasn't content just only being a mother. I wanted to be with my kids, but have other stuff going on. So I designed these mommy and me classes in this space, which was then kind of an unfinished garage insulation hanging. And, you know, there (laughs) was, it wasn't, it was real. It was like a barn that was not, not, not attached to our house, but kind of behind it, um, with its own driveway. So I said, you know what, that was my graphic design studio, but the other space, um, I said, I'm going to do these classes. So I would set up stations around the studio and I would, um, have parents, you know, moms or dads or caretakers come with their kids. And it was an hour long. I, they do art at different stations. Um, and oh, we'd read us do a story about something art related, have a little snack, and that was it. And wow. we did that, and it got very popular. I so I had a lot of people, and then then I start. I decided that maybe I would, you know, uh, teach art too. So I got some classes going. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had moved to Jackson before I had kids, I did work um, part time at the Jackson um, 
grammar school as the art teacher there one day a week. So that gave me a little bit of the teaching background. So I was doing the graphic design and teaching art in the, in the local school at the time. So, um, so yeah, I started doing classes and then, um, then I started to get a little disenchanted with the computer and, um, (laughs) being alone, you know, just, I, I was doing graphic design and I was just kind of alone with the computer trying to deal with issues. And I was just not um, as interested in sitting, being on a computer all day. I really liked the teaching. I liked the fine art. I missed painting. Mm -hmm. And so I kept that going, but decided to get more going with classes and start to develop my own work and found out about plein air painting at the time. And um, so this was... um, I would say about 16 years ago that I start. I learned about plein air painting and I uh, heard about Monhegan Island, which uh-huh. we all know, <laughs> and I took a workshop, a plein air workshop on Monhegan. That was my Wonderful. first introduction to plein air painting. And who was the instructor? The instructor was Michael Vermette. He paints with a palette knife okay. and he, uh, he taught a great class there and knew the island really well. Yeah. And um, I took his class. I didn't even know how to open the... Um, the French easel. Um, he said, we're going to do a quick study and you have 15 minutes to do a painting. Oh, no. And I was wrestling the easel. It was flopping around the legs. It was, I was with a friend and we were laughing and I said, and time was up. Yeah. And people were painting. I said, excuse me, can you help me open this, this easel? And, uh, once I got going, we were hiking around the Island and painting and he was a great instructor. Um, and I had the painting bug then and it just, it just was, I was, got obsessed with it. And that's how it started. So later on, I was the monitor for his classes and, you know, painted with him too. And he's come, he's taught at my studio as well. So yeah, but he was the first introduction. Then I started taking other classes and just really painting, you know, a lot on my own outside. Um, And now I teach beginner plein air as well. So yeah, so that was the introduction to that. It was neat. Yeah. Up there, you're not doing too much in the winter probably. Yeah, so I'm just starting. Last winter, I I did um, I did a piece for Boston Chronicle and the outside painting in the winter. So yeah. I bundled up and painted outside. Oh and boy! I'm inch. I am I'll put gonna that link on the yeah. website so people can find that. Yeah, and um, I am interested in painting in the winter, and I have done it. Yeah. I also have a setup that I can do at my car, smaller pieces. Oh. It's a it's a car easel okay. that leans against the um, yeah. passenger seat. Um, that was actually uh, developed by Michael Graves. Cool. He's a great artist. So I bought that from him at a plein air event. And so that you yeah. can do some little study sitting in your car with the heat on. So, nice. But I don't mind bundling up. And we have Mount Washington. Oh, yeah. And we have, I mean, the snow is just the best to paint. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal is to get uh, get layered up this winter and get out a get lot out. and paint. Yeah. So, um I want to get to your gallery too. We yeah. have a lot of things going on, but tell me about your printmaking. And how you yeah. Got so into um, also at the same time, my kids were little and I was, you know, dying to do some creative stuff myself. I went and took a um, watercolor monoprint class, which is a non-toxic medium with a great artist and friend, um, uh, Stephanie Rayner. She was teaching there, a uh, Toronto based artist. And I took her class and, just got fell in love with this um, Hmm. printmaking process. And um, so uh, I took more classes with her. We became friends Um, and funny, very funny story. Well, at the time it wasn't funny, but she, uh, she had a great little Japanese printing press that, you know, 
she had as her personal uh, press that she used. And she said, you know, I'm teaching a workshop out West and then I'm going to be traveling. And I was wondering if I could ship the press to you and you could use it for the whole summer and uh, do prints. And, you know, you have this press and it gives, and you just have to pay for the shipping or whatever. And I said, that sounds awesome. Yeah, Yeah. Send it over. So she ships the press over and this press weighs hundreds of pounds. It's, you know, and it has the wheel on it and it comes and one of the spokes on the wheel is broken off. That was the first thing. And I said, Stephanie, I hate to tell you, they broke one of the, you know, spokes. She said, oh my God, how did they do that? Shipping it. So I said, I have a guy that can repair it. So we soldered it back on. The next day after it was soldered on was the fire at the studio with her press in the fire being sprayed down by hoses and... I had to call her up and say, not only <laughs> I got your I got your press fix, but we had a massive fire last night and the press got, you know, hit by water. So this was the building not attached to your home. It's not attached to my home. It, it has we it, have our house and then we have a behind our house we have uh this building. It has an apartment upstairs so and a big space, first. separate driveway. So it was separate from our house. Yeah. Um and mm. in the middle of the night, uh, there was a fire from linseed oil on a rag in the uh, trash can. I was doing some cleanup with a few people, and I had my grandmother, who was also an artist, her oh. old set of, yeah, it's funny, it's it's a weird story, <laughs> her set of um, oil paints. And there, I never used linseed oil, but there was a jar of linseed oil, and as we were going through stuff, I was I had hired someone to help. The jar broke onto the cement floor Mm. and she took it and she cleaned it up with a rag and stuck it in the trash can. And that night, about eight hours later, the whole, the trash can, the the rag self-combust, the trash can went on fire. The fire went up. I had um, shelves all the top of the studio. It was, you know, kind of an unfinished space. The fire went all the way down. There was flames coming out and our tenant, luckily, who was sleeping upstairs from the studio his fire alarm went off in the middle of the night which thank god God, yeah yeah. and he you know smoke filled his whole place he got out he saw the fire he called 911 he ran up to our house pounded on the door and said Mm. your building's on fire and we got a ton of fire trucks there middle of the night and it looked like a bigger fire than it was because the flames were coming from the trash can so they did go in and um, spray the whole place down, you know, get it, get the fire out. Um, but everything was charred. Everything was ruined, except I did, I did have my, my, um, Japanese papers in my my. flat file. There's, there's edges, a a few edges charred around some of the papers, but they're large. I was so worried about these Japanese papers. I didn't care about anything else in there. Um, luckily my artwork was in, was being displayed in a coffee shop. So I had 20 pieces that were out of the studio. I lost some stuff, but you know, the stuff I lost probably was stuff I needed to get rid of besides (laughs) my RISD portfolio and some letters from my father who has passed away. So there was some, some sentimental stuff, um, but it was a good cleanup. And after a few days of really being stressed about this fire, we were lucky that we had good insurance and, uh, a light bulb went off. I'm going to open an art gallery. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah. and it was something I had been yeah. thinking about yeah. kind okay. of, I was at a crossroads in my life at the point mm-hmm. where my kids were, I still, they were still, you know, on the young side, but they were a little bit older, um, maybe 12 and 15 or something. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I didn't know what direction to go in, yeah. you know, when that happened. So yeah. I said, you know, should I <clears throat> get my graphic design business going more? Should I develop the art classes? Um, should I just help my husband with his business? He owns a toy store in, in North Conway, oh. the toy chest. Yeah. yeah. And I really, really <laughs> wanted to do an art gallery, but, you know, the money to do it. And I just just didn't know what to do. So it yeah. made the decision for me. Sure so when we had the fire and we had this insurance money and I could do whatever I want, I designed the space. I have all the art supplies at the far end and wooden closets that you also are kind of hidden artwork hangs. Yeah. And I put in some big windows and made so the space this is really still modern. On your property. It's this is still the same oh, space. Nice. So the building did not burn to the ground. We were able okay. to keep the shell, but I could do whatever I want inside. I so see. I have uh, a wow. big gallery space. One side has tables for class, you know, for our, for classes, mm -hmm. uh, for our classes, and also work hangs. And the other side is purely gallery, so it's a big space with two rooms. That sounds and, amazing. And I, yeah, I did a logo, created a new logo, and yeah, because you're Jackson a graphic Art. designer, you yes. get to yeah. do all that yourself. Yeah, so awesome. I. Yeah, I called it Jackson Art <clears throat> Studio and Gallery. Before that, um, my graphic design business was gra uh, was Jackson Design. So I changed the logo, changed the name, registered it with the state, and um, that's how it started. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's amazing. And it's grown, you know, really grown through the years. And so yeah. it's, it's at a good spot. Um, if you just take a second to demystify a little bit of that printing process how exactly does that the work? watercolor mono prints yeah yeah so the watercolor mono prints are done on a glass plate and some of the prints are a two plate process so you you work on the on the glass plate um it's actually like bulletproof glass uh it you sand down the plate so they have a little bit of a tooth to them so you know if you just used it without sanding it it would be the paint would just kind of ball up okay. and you know you round the edges you get your plates ready and um you can do so much with this process. You can float watercolors um, and drip and put them on very wet and let them dry and layer them in a process um, uh, called a floating wash. And again, mm -hmm. this is all Stephanie Rayner who uh, taught me this. Um, and so you can work very subtly with watercolors or you can layer them very thick and in an impasto technique and so you can work thicker. You're applying it with you're applying it with, um, I use all sorts, you should see what we use. I use denture brushes to scrape it on and get scratches. I use regular brushes. I use sponges. Um, I use scraper tools from the hardware store. Um, I use, um, you know, spackle and, you know, spray paint on. So, and I also do a process um, called Shinkole where uh, while you're printing, you use an adhesive in Japanese paper. So you, the paper, the Japanese paper gets appeared as well as the paint. And it, uh, the, the plates have to be totally dry to print. Your paper is slightly damp. You run it through a press oh. and it all gets print on at once. So you can, you know, wow. I've done with my, uh, with my mono prints, I've done, I've worked with foliage some and Japanese papers, but more recently, I've brought my landscape painting into the mono prints a mm. bit, and um, that's done really well. Um, and how many a, prints can you get? So it's a know. mono print. So each print is one over one. The very thick, um, if you layer the plates very thick, you will you can get. I mean, I think one one um, 
one design that you got up to like eight prints, but they're all okay. different because as you start uh, printing, it eats away at the paint. Sure. So they're all, it's not yeah. like silk screen where you get exactly the right. same. But a lot of them, if it's a delicate wash of watercolor and you're layering, you just get one over just one. one. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's a very playful process mm -hmm. and it prints in reverse. And mm -hmm. so it's always a surprise. <laughs> sure. So it's playing, you know, when you're doing this. And yeah. I do teach that too. Mm -hmm. And actually, okay. Stephanie Rayner, who taught me the process, is going to come teach this too in the fall of, of 2020. So, nice. um, yeah, you can use all sorts of things. I have a friend. Um, who prints uh, baby dresses, like old dresses, with, um, and she skims the surface with um, with watercolors, and you know does stuff with the background and incorporates foliage, and so you can print any anything really uh, that's thin enough to run through the press. That's it's a really amazing. fun process. It's a nice um, there's a nice balance between doing the watercolor monoprints and then the oil painting. Yeah, you know, for me, it's a nice uh, right. balance of doing both. They're very different. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, your gallery looks amazing and you offer Thank you. so many things. I, I see uh, classes for adults and for kids. You've got like yep. the sip and paint, which is yes. very uh, unobtrusive. Yeah. The <laughs> on fun the first time out. people. Yep. Uh, and then tours. private paint parties. That's yes. fun. Yes. Yeah. So I see you just had David Lucier do the Studio Nocturne in January. Yes. yes. Yeah. That, that was great. Yeah. So yeah, I've... Um, I have been, I take classes myself to kind of meet instructors and I meet them at plein air events. Okay. And if I kind of click with them and like them, I'll say, yeah. Hey, do you want to come teach? And David and Pam Lucier have taught a few classes. He's a wonderful instructor. Yeah. So yeah. he just taught a nocturne and, class. Um, and you keep them two days. Yeah. Usually two Saturday, or three Sunday. days. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes we do Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, George Van Hook, Stapleton right. Kearns, um, I have a guy who teaches, Matt Brown, who teaches, um, he sells his work in Portsmouth as well, um, Japanese woodblock printing. Yeah, I and see he's that a, coming yeah. up. Um, and then we, Cynthia Rosen, palette knife technique, um, watercolors, we, you know, have had various people. So we do a lot of classes. I try to do one, you know, workshop a month there. Yeah. We do the sip and paint once in a while just for a fun night out for tourists because they okay. want to come paint. So that's just a real small yeah. part, kind of phasing out a little more. But um, we do that. Um, we do paint parties for corporate groups. So I've gone to Mount Washington oh. Hotel and travel to teach corporate groups, you know, and do a fun paint night kind of thing, too. Mm -hmm. And a big part of my business is summer art camps. So in the summer, we take um, a few couple weeks. I hire a teacher and um, counselors and we do uh, about 15 projects in one week with the kids and wow. uh, one parent and said this the, they just come to your gallery they come from okay. nine to three I five see. days um, and one parent said they did more kids did more artwork in the one week than the entire year of school yeah. so we're trying to wow. kids who really might not want to just do sports they can come to come for that art camp and be exposed to painting printmaking mm mosaic sculpture mixed media um we do we do a lot outside we do stuff inside i do art history with them mm. so for the full day nine to three they're doing art lots of art at the end of the week we put on an art show <laughs> and with all their work nice. and so that's been a big big part of and how many bringing. of those do you do just one just week two, two two weeks, weeks in the summer okay. yeah and they usually fail pretty yeah, quick because sure. i've been doing it now for gosh about eight to ten years and so um, we do some after-school classes, too. Um, 
one of my students who went to art school has come back and she taught a cartooning uh, drawing class. So, so we do some, try to do some kids stuff, uh, lots of adult classes and just trying to make the white mountains a destination for Mm. coming to take art classes. So that's my goal right now is to get really good instructors to come teach. And we are getting people traveling from Colorado and around the U S to come to the white mountains to take classes now. So it's, it's, you know, it's been a process Mm. and, uh, it's only me. So enterprising. I love it. (laughs) I can only do so much. Um, okay. So earlier you talked a little bit about, um, a winter retreat possibly that yes you're yeah doing? yep so i do well i've done the monhegan retreat so right now we have a retreat um to monhegan island which is in september um, so you call it a retreat because it's not because it's not just painting. painting so it's an art and wellness retreat okay. so um you know we it's just a three day it's not a big commitment for people total beginners you know mm-hmm. you don't have to have any painting experience um and you, I also have the equipment too that people oh. don't have to buy. So I and this give is you on a, your website. Right? Yeah, the uh, that'll be up soon. But um, okay. last year's is up. Okay. Um, so we uh, we leave on a Friday and meet. I'll take the boat over together, the ferry to Monhegan Island, and the week is the there's a schedule all set up. So we paint about three hours a day. And then uh, we do yoga. There's mm-hmm. options for massage. We hike and bring a sketchbook and nice. learn about composition and sketching. We go do a beer tasting at Monhegan <laughs> Brewing. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we have a lobster dinner. So it's a real nice, um, nice short retreat, just three days for people to get a feel for Monhegan, a feel for plein air painting, and yeah. kind of rejuvenate. So I'm hoping to nice. bring some of that to Mount Washington Valley in the winters where. Uh, people I'll take people on a snowshoe and I'd probably do that through um, either Jackson ski touring or great Glen trails. So have mm-hmm. them do a one hour guided snowshoe. Um, nice. So everyone gears up, brings their phone because everyone has such a good camera on their phone I these know. days. So That's right. yeah. So they can take a photo on their phone of a winter scene and we'll come back to the studio and I'll teach people how to paint that, um, wow. you know, include the supplies and, then there'd be an afternoon yoga and maybe some wine and cheese. And mm-hmm. um, and so it would be art and wellness combined as well. Always so. do the wine after the yoga. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely not before. Yeah. You will overstretch something. Yes. <laughs> sure, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah. good combination, though. Yeah. I, I really like it. It's yeah, really so nice. we're, we're working on that, um, working with, you know, uh, Great Glen Trails. And there's a new nice. hotel there that they... We might kind of collaborate on so everyone can stay there because we do get a lot of tourists in our area. Right. Um, and, you know, future is some international trips, too. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about planning a trip to Japan with a group to do plein air oh. painting of the cherry blossoms. Um, oh, my god! Yeah. So I know Japan. I yeah. have the connections there. And so that is maybe a few years out but wow. definitely in the works of taking a group to japan and again not only having it be about painting um that will yeah. definitely be a big part of it but also about um you know at cherry blossom season everything is sakura and flavored mm-hmm. so we might do you know a uh, a tasting of um sake and um and going to some art galleries and uh, learning mm-hmm. about the culture. So it's going to be all combined and not, you know, not just about the painting, but 
Wow. Uh, yeah, so I, that's my plans in the future is to get some international trips going too. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. Um, okay, so we just talked. We just covered big projects ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what's your best technical advice for plein air painters? A my best technical anything. advice is to try not to spend too much time mm -hmm. on location. So the light really changes, right? right? So you have you right. have really three hours the most and don't don't paint right in the middle of the day when there's not Sun's good up. shadows yeah. and light. So uh, my advice would be to uh, start earlier in the day or later in the day to mm -hmm. get and get your painting done in three hours. And um, if you're just starting out, the second piece of advice that I just taught to my beginner studio <laughs> class is to use a limited palette. Yeah. So um, you can mix any color by just using your three primaries in white and um, yeah. And make your force yourself to use a limited palette. Um, force yourself to work, you know, about eight by ten, not too big to start, mm -hmm. and get your painting done in three hours. And just, you know, the more you paint and the more you get out there, take workshops, the better you'll get. You know, everyone wants to be wants to be a great painter right at the get go, but it sure. takes commitment and time to yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah, you know, as we all know, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, what's your funniest story from your painting? My funny story, unfortunately, I already told you, was the the, the wrestling the easel like the an easel alligator. Um, but you know, there's there's been stories where we've been chased off of you know uh, being on the edge of someone's property, oh, yeah. and not so funny, but <laughs> yeah. being chased off by people saying like, "You can't paint here," you know. And we're like, we're painting, right? Um, wow. You know, I've had, I've painted with friends that have had phthalo green paint streaked across their cheek. We always have paint, <laughs> you know, in their hair. So we're always laughing at each other. Yeah. I'm a messy painter and, yeah. uh, and a few people I paint with are. So the paint on the face and in hair is usually pretty funny. Yeah. And you don't notice. I did it in fact last week. I was yeah. by myself painting and I was wrapped up going to bed and I looked in the mirror. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I always wow. have paint on me. How does it happen? And it's usually phthalo green or like yeah, a, of course, or like or a lizard and crimson <laughs> or something strong. Nothing, nothing very yeah, easy to get subtle. Um, so let's talk quickly about your grandmother. Yeah, so she was a um, painter. Did that she influence was, you as a child? Yeah, she she did influence me as a child. She was probably the biggest influence on my life in general. But yeah. she had a house in upstate New York, small town filled with art. So oh, wow. she uh, never went to art school herself, but she was friends with a lot of sculptors from Alfred University. Mm. And um, she painted, uh, she had a teacher. She only painted up until her husband died. He died pretty young at 58 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so she, I do have some of her paintings and whenever I would go to her house, there was just sculpture and painting and, um, art books. And, um, so that was a big influence. Oh, wow. And, um, she, uh, she, you know, left me some of her paintings and mm -hmm. some other artists work and her, her house was like a museum to me. There was just, you know, I have her collection of art books. Um, mm -hmm. so I have that little piece and yeah, she was a real, real, uh, big influence. Uh, so she was visiting arts. you though in Jackson. She came out. No, she, uh, it was after she died that I had her art box that, Oh, okay. Yeah. I so 
So she never made it to your studio? She never I, made it. I'm no, sorry. she came. Yeah, she came when my kids were little, but um, she ended up passing away when they were before I. She I misunderstood. You said about your grandmother with the fire. I thought she was there. Oh, no, no. It was no. Just so I had I had her, her hat. So I, I kind of feel like it was a message from her because yeah. um, it was it was weird that it was her bottle and it broke and wow. it caused this fire and it kind of brought me to where I am today. I don't oh think my. I would have the art gallery if it wasn't for yeah. that bottle of seed oil. So yeah. it was kind of a wow. little bit of a blessing in disguise though. It wasn't yeah. immediately. It was a big mess. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a quick devastation and you made some, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. made some lemonade there. Yes. Very nice. Um, what else should we cover? Hmm. How about if you could spend the day with Gosh. any painter, who would it be? Oh, where would you go? Yeah, where would I go? What would you do? Um, hmm. That is tough. Well, it might not be a famous painter, but um, my father, who also passed, um, was a real Renaissance man. He did do some pen and ink uh, drawings mm -hmm. and paint a little bit and was a writer. So mm -hmm. I would say with my grandmother and father, I'd mm -hmm. spend the day over anyone else. I mean, I love the Impressionist painters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Van Gogh would be one of them. Um, I'm drawn to real loose work. I love Tom Thompson. So love to spend the day with one of them. But I think it would always be a relative that mm -hmm. I'd pick over, nice. over a famous painter. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, there's so many, so many great painters out there. And yeah. It's an inspiration. So it sure is. Uh, and what does success mean to you as an artist? Yeah. So, you know, success changes, I think for me, it's, um, you know, definitely trying to get two kids through college. So I need to make money, but, um, you know, that if, if, if money wasn't needed to be made, I think it's just to keep growing and mm. to keep, um, you know, experimenting and not getting stuck in one thing. Um, mm. I think for me right now, having this business and, you know, doing so many pieces to it, I love organizing people and getting people together through the arts, but mm. I want more time for myself for sure. painting. So for me, um, success for me right now is to get outside in the winter and to do, I want to do some very large, you know, uh, three foot by two foot, real large plein air paintings Ooh, wow. where, you know, I'd go back again, the lighting changes. So if I started in the morning and painted from, you know, eight to 11, I'd go back the next day eight to 11 and mm. try to finish it. So, um, you know, I'm getting more proficient. I'm painting larger and larger outside and I'm finding that I can get, I, um, you know, 12 by 16 or 16 by 20 planar painting done just maybe an hour more than a smaller eight by 10 or nine by 12. So nice. I want to keep going bigger. So I think success for me will be painting bigger, um, spending more time on my work. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just really trying to grow, you mm -hmm. know, and, and keep moving, moving in a direction that uh, brings growth. Yeah. Yeah. Does it ever get overwhelming or not overwhelming, but maybe confusing with so many different artists coming through and every yeah. time they present a new, yeah, something, that is true. So do you um, like, oh, I don't do take all now. the classes. So, okay. um, I get the artists to come, I put them up at my house, you know, I, a lot, I get the classes going. I don't, I try to stick to just oil painting classes. Um, so when, when there's a watercolor class or um, other types of classes, I get set up, but I don't take it because you only have so much time. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you get further by taking workshops because um, 
even though you might feel confused during the class, like, wait, they're doing this a whole different way or mm. they're using a different palette, different brushes. They have a different way of starting. Um, you take the class and you might try it their way. And then when you go out on your own, you might take a little piece yeah. of that. And yeah. it, you know, it allows you to, to get there quicker. Um, even seeing different people's equipment, um, you know, how they set up um, mm -hmm. is real helpful to me. So I always set up the classes where I can take it for free. Yeah. <laughs> I pick people who yeah. I like um, and who I think that will bring something to other people. But I do have classes where um, I just, you know, I'm like, this is a medium that I, I can't start a new medium. Right, so right. I don't do watercolors except for the mono prints. Um, so I usually don't take those classes. Mm -hmm. um, I do love Matt Brown's Japanese woodblock printing. Mm -hmm. It's a different medium. And I do that once a year in his class. Um, nice. And I take my paintings and I turn them into woodblocks oh. and it's really fun. So oh, wow. um, I don't know. For me, I think um, I like the excitement of lots of different things. Um, I know some people stick with their painting style, don't want to take classes, but I think mm -hmm. that will stop you from from growing and you know yeah. taking it to the next level. So yeah. I do believe. I and where's that. your private studio space in the... Well, that's funny you should ask. So my, I have to constantly be cleaning up. So my private studio space, plain air, is outside, and mm. my equipment just gets moved around. I'm trying to set up a little space in my my house right now where I can, you know, paint and get. The main <laughs> issue is getting the right lighting because yeah. I'm a night owl. So, oh, I am you know, if I have a if I have a plain air piece that needs a few brush strokes here and there, and I try to do it at night. Mm -hmm. So I'm figuring out <clears throat> getting the right light getting a little space carved out um, mm -hmm. and uh, figuring that out. But I do um, paint at my, at the art studio too. Yeah. People love when they walk in, you know, right. to see an artist working and all of our, um, all of our artists, we have over 20 local artists at Jackson art nice. are there like here on the weekends where they're um, set up doing their medium. Oh, um, so it is kind of, it's not a co-op, but it functions a little like one. So mm -hmm. Uh, we have all sorts of artists doing mosaics and, and different other mediums as well. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your setup now for plein air? What are you using? And so my setup, I have, I have a lot of different easels. I'm currently using Joshua Bean, the mm -hmm. prolific painter. It's nice and light. Um, and I always, you know, try I try to keep organized. I have my, I bring my, uh, my Pashad box, you know, the box that lightweight box and, and easel and an umbrella. Um, I wow. use um, Raymar. I use linen for okay. my surface. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I use uh, a smoother board. So I like to do palette knife painting and yeah. brush painting. So I use uh, one, either one of those. The palette knife, it's uh, easier to have a smoother surface. The linen works better for the brush. Um, right. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm constantly trying out new brushes. <laughs> spend a lot of money on art supplies. Mm -hmm. Currently I'm using Gamblin for paint. Okay. Um, and uh, again, I've switched around. I try to, I try to try out different paints, but currently Gamblin. Um, and um, yeah, I kind of keep everything in a bag or a backpack ready to go. Um, and do you have like a couple sets? <laughs> yeah, I do. do. More than one? Yeah. one thing I, one tip I just realized, which works great. I always bring baby wipes for cleaning up, but yeah, just get a bottle of cheap rubbing alcohol. And if you want to get paint oh. off your palette or even your hands, oh. instead of using wipes and paper towel, rubbing alcohol will clean up oil paint I right know. off your palette, your hands, anything. 
it comes cool. right up. It's like a miracle. That's Someone told too. me that. <laughs> and um, yeah, and also uh, Murphy's oil gets paint out, oil paint out of your clothes. And oh. if you soak your brushes overnight, they will be as good as new. So Murphy's oh. oil, another inexpensive solution. So okay. two, two good tips for That's great. Yeah. yeah, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. So. so plein air painting in winter, that for me, wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm actually kind of, I'm a real sissy. I think plein air painting. Three hours for me is a long stretch. Yeah, to, it's, you know, I gotta it, go to the bathroom. I need another coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's just like endless. <laughs> I think it's hard getting out there, but uh, once you're out there, you know, as long as you have your layers on, yeah. bring some hand and foot warmers. Um, I just watched a uh, a video of keeping your hands warm plein air painting of. Um, you know, maybe you have your your gloves on, uh, your thin, um, you know, medical type gloves, and you put um, a pair of wool um, uh, fingerless gloves over that, and then you take a pair of wool socks and cut the top off, and you put a wool sock over the glove, the two mm. other gloves, keeping the hole in it, and then your hand is protected, and you kind of oh. have your paintbrush in there, so you have control. <laughs> so I'm going to try that. I'm oh going to be gosh. putting socks on my hands. <laughs> I got to see that. I know. Oh, that's cool. Um, do and you have then an just, Instagram account? Do I do. Okay. Yeah. So what I do. is that? Um, I have two Instagrams. I have one which is um, Melanie underscore Levitt. Okay. And the other is Jackson Art Studio and Gallery, which I just started. Yeah, so Melanie Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T, no A in Levitt. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm ready to get out so and paint we'll, in the we'll winter. We'll have to see that. you got to put that up on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Put up the, I love it. Yeah, when I'm, out, when I'm out in the cold. Yeah, well, but, we've had some kind of warm days. I mean, it's just yeah. been such a strange winter. Freezing to death or semi-warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, your website is jacksonartnh.com. Yes. Yep, Jackson. And, and tell us, like, Jackson's just above North Conway? Yeah, so we're How north. Far? We're only about 15 minutes from North, from Conway. North Conway. Jackson's okay. like a little storybook town with a okay. covered bridge. Um, amazing spots to paint. Yeah. And we're just uh, one mile outside of Jackson Village, right nice. down the street from Wildcat Ski Resort. Okay, yep. And uh, there's some just beautiful spots to paint all over. So okay. if you don't want to paint outside, too, you know, you can always... Um, Go find some some places indoors, looking out too. Paint from a window. Mm -hmm. That's still plain air. My mm -hmm. book. So yep, I'm <laughs> yeah, with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well, thank yeah. you so much. It's oh, been delightful. Thank you so much for and everybody. Get for, on that um, website. It's beautiful and lots of things me. happening there. Yeah, lots Great. of classes coming up. Thank you for right. the interview. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.